when Chinese businesses shut down for their new year, mid to late January of 2020, it marked the end of business as usual for the supplement industry. Many shoppers probably still have a small hint of PTSD from seeing a ton of empty shelves caused by the constant supply shortages of CPG essential goods during the first months of the pandemic. And despite being more than a year removed from those March, April, and May kind of pantry loading periods of 2020, another group of shoppers could be unfortunately facing an even worse and potentially longer period of supply shortages. This time it's hitting a lot closer to home in the functional food, functional beverage, and nutritional supplements, CPG categories. Now just to kind of give you guys the goal of this piece of content, I do hope to explain some of what's causing the current supply chain situation within those functional CPG categories. I want to discuss the outlook over the next six to 12 months, provide some preparation strategies for those brands that do sell within these functional CPG markets, and then touch on how the industry can avoid similar future problems. Now, what macroeconomic variables could be causing some of the supply chain challenges within those functional CPG markets. Now, if you have consumed some of the beige book from the Federal Reserve content that I was putting together during the heart of the COVID-19 pandemic, just to give you guys a little bit of an understanding of what was happening across the United States, maybe you had heard of some of these things because the writing was on the wall for some of these large US related supply chain challenges. First one was around the just freight shortages. Now there was an increased amount of goods that was being consumed by Americans as a lot of the service spending and experience spending that they were used to had evaporated in the American market. Something that doesn't get talked about a lot was that trucker certification. So for them to be able to onboard new truckers, that actually was not deemed essential in most states. So a lot of the people that were interested in getting a job in trucking, long haul trucking, or just in general freight services were not able to get the certifications needed to get those jobs. Just general turnover within that sector of freight services has been historically very bad, but it creates a very inefficient system that ends up creating more problems and ripples when you do have a bunch of supply shortages. And then just general e-commerce explosion because people were at home and shopping from at home instead of shopping in store, that created a lot more need for different freight services for the increased amount of parcel deliveries. Now, similarly with sea freight shortages, again, that increased amount of goods that were being purchased globally was creating a ton of need for sea freight. Labor shortages at the different ports around the world, not only the United States was creating a bunch of issues that was not allowing these ships when they would get to port to be able to deload and be able to spin around and go back to where they needed with another full ship. That also created a ton of issues with these shipping containers because a lot of the ships are stuck at sea right now. They're not able to get to the ports or get offloaded at the ports efficiently and effectively, and that's causing a ton of delays. And though it was only a short period of time, Suez Canal blockage did create a ton of extra problems. Now mentioning some of the elevated demand or even the uneven demand specific to the functional CPG categories, 
the health pandemic did create an increased amount of purchasing activity for almost every functional CPG category. For the vitamins and mineral supplements, they had the highest growth rate they've seen in several decades, and this is off of a much larger revenue base. And you did see some stock shortages across some of these VMS subcategories throughout 2020. A lot of them had to do with maybe general health products or immune health products, but this did cause some like stock up behaviors, it did cause some switching across brands that ultimately fragmented the brands a little bit more. Now on the sports nutrition side, initially you saw slowdown that was related to the gym closures, but as the second half of 2020 came around and gyms started to open again, you had a pent up amount of demand that did swing the sports nutrition categories back to an overall annual growth. Additionally, during those kind of early phases, a lot of the sports nutrition brands did start to offer more general health and wellness products and that further fragmented the market even further. Now, something that you hadn't heard in a lot of those beige books was on the other side of the supply chain with China and China being a very important partner for the US functional CPG categories. We look at just like the COVID-19 effect in China, you have severe and still in a lot of cases ongoing lockdowns in a lot of very important manufacturing regions in China. This is where both just general raw materials come from for the industry, but also components that make those raw materials come from these different manufacturing regions in China. Unlike in America, you had China that their law really dictates that these companies have to continue paying even though they were producing nothing for a long period of time. And if you compound that with some of the issues that China's having with their banking industry or just kind of their capitalization and how debt leveraged they are, those small and medium-sized businesses that are involved with the functional CPG categories, they were not able to get the appropriate amount of capital to run their business throughout the shutdown. So a lot of them went out of business. Now, as the reopening has started to happen, or maybe they have pulsed it back and forth, the overall Chinese market for functional CPG raw materials and components for those raw materials, they have a ton of more elevated demand in the market, as I was kind of saying, especially with the US market across Europe and people starting to buy more of these products because of the health pandemic, but you have a much smaller ability to supply that market. So it's creating a huge amount of spread between the available supply and the needed demand in the market now. So what is the outlook for the next kind of six to 12 months? Now, I don't wanna be kind of a negative Nancy, but it's kind of obvious to me that the supply chain challenges will not materially change in a positive way over the next six months or at least until the first part of 2022. Now, if we wanna look at this from the glass is half full, many extremely popular raw materials in terms of functional CPG, we're talking about creatine or we're talking about caffeine or talking about protein will have steep price increases, but brands generally will be able to secure enough of the product to keep semi-consistent stock within the market. The hope is that if the coronavirus pandemic is better managed, then the supply chain will improve with how well we're able to manage this globally. And even small improvements to some of these very large macroeconomic variables will create a ton of positive effects that will help functional CPG 
brands be able to manage the supply chain situation. Now, if we look at this from the glasses half empty, many of those same popular raw materials within the functional CPG categories will have extended or elongated out of stock situations. If things unfortunately turn worse, we could be potentially starting to look at a ton of negative effects that could push the functional CPG categories many, many years backwards, I always say that hidden bad actors will come out of the woodwork when their backs are against the wall. So we could see safety, quality, and transparency efforts reverse as these bad actors get greedy and do whatever means necessary to keep products on shelf. Now, how can functional CPG brands prepare for the next six to 12 months? Now, there's a ton of different ways to mitigate the risk with the current supply chain situation, but I wanna focus on just three that I believe are gonna be the most impactful across the most amount of brands. I do wanna preface it by saying that if you do not have a strengthened balance sheet, if you are not in a position of strength to take advantage of anything that I'm gonna be talking about, you have to kind of have your house in order there first before you worry about anything else because you're not gonna have the availability to take advantage of some of these deeper strategies that I'm talking about. But the first strategy that I do wanna talk about is skew rationalization. This is what I kind of consider protecting the house. If you are a client of mine, you probably hear me talk about that a lot over the last year. And this is kind of the constant auditing process that unfortunately not too many brands do and it becomes extremely important to have been doing that work when things go south. The top 20% of SKUs within functional CPG brands generally make up 80 or 80 plus percent of the overall revenue. So you have to ensure by any means necessary, and that's within the constraints of both morally, ethically, and legal ways to keep these products in stock. You must keep these products in stock. The rest of the SKUs should be looked at through a rationalization process. There's a ton of different ways to do that, but it should determine if you are to permanently or temporarily cut these products from your portfolio to strengthen the core of the company. There's no reason right now to be an overall basket brand for ego reasons or personal reasons as a needed complexity is the enemy right now. And you should be really kind of thinking, should I be launching all these new ideas right now? Is it the best time to be launching a ton of new products? A number of other kind of things should be at least going through a certain filter before you're just mindlessly or autopiloting product development decisions. The second strategy is around rethinking procurement processes. Now you might normally just have your contract manufacturer do a lot of the procurement of your ingredients or your core raw materials and components because you value that turnkey process, but it's time to take control or be just a general more active participant of this element of your business. Strategies like hedging your bets on securing agreements across multiple suppliers in respect to some of that ingredient procurement, purchasing more stock than you immediately need of those top products that I kind of mentioned earlier, or securing deliveries much earlier than you normally would should be considered and implemented if it makes sense in your business. And then finally, plan for the worst. Even if things are going extremely well right now, you don't wanna be sitting on your hands and sleeping when 
potentially something can turn for the worst at the last second. Make sure you're looking at innovation options to ensure you have optionality when things potentially go wrong. I would even go as far as having labels created for some of these kind of adaptations of your most popular products and even get them set up at the printer. So if things start to happen, you have to change one of the ingredients or you have to change one of your suppliers, you'll be able to potentially get back in stock much quicker by not wasting this additional time. So how can the industry potentially avoid similar future problems? The supply chain layers within the functional CPG industry are fragmented and quite inefficient. This has been exacerbated by low barriers of entry that created a ton of the long tail activity, thus spreading out the supply into hundreds of contract manufacturers across the United States and into thousands of brands finished goods. The sharing of data across these fragments could be potentially helpful when looking for excess supply to meet excess demand across the competitive landscape. Additionally, the American business landscape is too reliant on China for components from just packaging to raw materials and even some of the subcomponents of raw materials that are then shipped into different countries while regulatory limits or even limits to the available unit economics might disallow America from being self-sufficient and creating all of this in country, we will need to further diversify the supply chains across other countries. While small adjustments will definitely help efficiency in the short term, I think long term, the answer might be utilizing new technologies like blockchain to make improvements across the supply chain. While still largely unproven at this time, blockchain-driven innovations in the supply chain will likely have the potential to deliver tremendous business value by increasing supply chain transparency, reducing risk, and improving efficiency in overall supply chain management.